Psalm 119, beginning in verse 65. The psalmist was thinking about his past experience, and here's what he said. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. As we think about our lives, most of us build our lives on routine. Most of us have routines through our day, through our week, even through our year. There are rhythms and patterns to our lives. And our lives are measured as far as the progress we're making by these routines. Not only that, but our routines kind of give us a sense of priority and a sense of focus. Here's what I need to accomplish today. Here's what I've got to get done because something else is going to happen later in the year. And one of the things I've thought a lot about the last few weeks is the fact that our routines have all been suspended. Everything that we were doing, even during the day, I used to wake up in the morning and I would shave. And a couple of weeks ago, I just decided, why does that need to be a part of my routine? And so I quit. There are a lot of things that all of us, even the free spirits among us, even those that like to kind of, you know, take, take life as it comes, all of us, if we'll really be honest with ourselves, we have a routine, something that is a pattern in our lives, and we can plan and we can make goals based on that pattern. Adversity is what happens when our routines are set aside. Adversity is something that when what we had planned to do is upended and it's changed, that's what adversity is. It's not knowing when the routine is going to be reestablished. It's not knowing when life is going to be normal again, if it's ever going to be normal again. But I want us to think about this morning the fact that there are some blessings that God can provide in times of adversity. There are blessings that we can count on and we ought to look for in times of difficulty. I believe it's important for us as people of faith to have this perspective. Someone once said, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. That's not entirely true. Sometimes the adversity that doesn't kill us, it causes us to become discouraged. It causes us to become bitter. It causes us to become angry, and we might even sin in our anger. So just because we face adversity doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to grow. So what I want to do this morning is I want to help you, and I want to help me, to think about some areas where we can grow, even when, and where we can find blessings, even when our routines have been set aside. Consider this. When it comes to our routines, when it comes to adversity, Jesus himself was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53, verse 3. The Bible says he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. What are some blessings that we can look for, especially in times of adversity? Consider these together with me this morning, if you would. In the first place, when we face adversity as Christians... It can help us by preventing us from falling in love with the world. It can help us by preventing us from falling in love with the world. 
we count on and we plan on and we build all kinds of comforts for ourselves and luxuries for ourselves and we plan on those things providing comfort and if we're not careful we can fall in love with those things in first john chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 the scripture says do not love the world do not love the things that are in the world and john wrote those words to christians he said don't fall in love with the things of this world we just sang a song a moment ago this world is not my home i'm just a passing through we need to affirm that truth that reality in our lives every day and adversity challenging times can help us to remember i'm not supposed to love this world in first peter chapter 2 verse 11 peter wrote to his brethren christians that we ought to conduct ourselves as sojourners and pilgrims in this world aliens and exiles that is to say that we're living our lives and we're making decisions as if this world is not going to last and we're not here to stay and so the decisions we make and the the things we do it reflects a life of faith and a life of hope for something else something more something beyond what we're experiencing here you know some Christians do fall in love with the world in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 Paul writes about Demas who had been a faithful worker Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world Paul says in Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 Ananias and Sapphira two Christians they lied to the apostles and they lied to God because they loved money and they wanted to hold on to it so as we think about the adversities that face us as we think about the many challenges that surround us on a daily basis now one of the blessings that comes from these is that it can prevent us from falling too much in love with the world in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10 the Bible writes about Abraham that Abraham dwelt in tents all his life he confessed that he was a stranger and a pilgrim in this world just like we're supposed to and he looked for something better he looked for a city that had foundations he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God what are you looking for what are you hoping for adversity can keep us from falling in love with the world but think about this as well when our routines are upended when we're not living life the way we planned we're facing adversity we're facing challenges and struggles there's another blessing that can come from this adversity can bring out the best in us if we'll allow it to happen adversity can bring out the best in us and I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say you were built for relationships you were built to be with and to bless other people and you and I are at our very best when we are seeking to bless other people to the glory of God we're at our very best when we're living our lives with a view to how we can help and serve others and in times of adversity there are abundant opportunities to think about others Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ listen to what he's saying there when I bear others burdens 
I'm fulfilling the law. I'm doing what Christ expects of me. Open your Bibles to Matthew 25. Look at verses 35 and 36 with me. Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36. It's a picture of judgment day. And in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 35, Jesus says to those who are righteous, I was hungry, Matthew 25, 35, and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I want you to notice that every single situation that's described in those two verses is a situation of adversity. Hunger, thirst, imprisonment, being a stranger and outcast, lack of clothing, being sick. All of those are times of adversity. And what the point that Jesus is making to his disciples ought to resonate with us. The point is, you and I as Christians, we ought to live our lives for others. Adversity can bring out the very best in us. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, the apostle Paul wrote that our character grows in times of tribulation, in times of adversity. Our character can mature because as adversity leads to character, character leads to patience, patience leads to character, and character produces hope in us. New Testament Christians, the very best can be brought out in us in times of adversity. You know, at the end of all of his struggles and all of his trials, you think about Joseph, who one day went out to check on his brothers, was thrown into a pit, sold as a slave, and then spent the rest of the time in his trials as a prisoner, when Joseph looked back on all those events in his life, he reflected on it this way in Genesis 50, verse 20. You meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. Brothers and sisters and friends, if we'll let it, if we'll open our eyes to the needs around us, adversity can bring blessing by bringing out the very best in us. Service to others love and compassion for those who are in need number three this morning as we think about what adversity can do it helps to purify us every one of us has some rough edges every one of us has some areas in our lives where we're not enough like christ open your bibles if you would to first peter chapter one look at verses six and seven and listen to what peter wrote to his brethren who were facing adversity in first peter chapter one verse six in this you Christians greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So he's talking about adversity here in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And he says in verse 7, So that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice the words, the genuineness of faith being tested by fire, being shown to be much more precious than gold. There's a sense in which God refines us in times of difficulty, in times of adversity. 
And in all of our lives, if we'll stop and examine ourselves, there are some areas where we're not as pure, we're not as holy, we're not as pleasing to God as we ought to be. Don't waste opportunities like this. It's been said that all sunshine makes a desert. If all we had in our lives were were comfort and luxury and convenience, if that's all we ever experienced and we never faced adversity, we'd end up a desert. We'd end up pretty shallow spiritually. There are some blessings that can be provided, especially in times of adversity. Purification, sanctification, holiness. In James 1 verse 2, James says to his brethren, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, adversity, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. God can purify us. He can help us to grow up. He can help us to mature, and especially that can happen in times of adversity, of difficulty. In Genesis 22, verses 1 1 through 12, God spoke to Abraham and told him to take the only son, his only son, who he loved, and offer him as a sacrifice. That's adversity. That's a challenge. Why did God do that? Was it because God wasn't aware of Abraham's heart? Or was it because God wasn't aware of what Abraham would do? I rather think that one of the things that God was doing in that episode was he was reminding Abraham of his priorities. And he was helping Abraham to remember that more than anything else, loyalty and service to God is what matters. The prophet Malachi spoke about the refining fire of God and spoke about how God would put all of his faithful through the test and God would bring us forth as silver and gold, purging the dross out of our lives. And so my question to you this morning is this, when it comes to the adversity that we're facing, how are you dealing with it? I suspect a lot of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're tuning in many, many hours a day to a screen of some kind. Whether it's a computer, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's a television, we're tuning in to some kind of screen. And there are a thousand distractions and there are a thousand different ways to occupy your time. My challenge to you this morning is this. Spend some time away from a screen every now and then and ask yourself, am I missing some of the blessings that God intends for my life during this time of adversity? Am I missing some of the opportunities to grow and to become refined during this time? Am I missing opportunities to serve others? Consider this, number four. When we think about adversity, One of the blessings that comes from adversity is it can lead us to depend on God more. Turn back in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2 and look again at the passage we referred to a moment ago. Love not the world nor the things that are in the world, but in 1 John chapter 2 verse 16, for all that is in the world, John says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father but is of the world. We may well look to and depend on things and stuff and materialism. We may look to and depend on those things and not enough on God. 
and adversity can remind us not only that we shouldn't love the world, but adversity can remind us that when I'm depending on those things, I can't really lean on God. When you stop and consider what God challenges us to do, He wants us to put our full trust in Him, not in the size of our bank account, not in what the federal government is or is not able to do. Our trust, our faith, our confidence is in the God of heaven fully and completely when the rich young ruler came to jesus in matthew 19 he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life and you remember jesus and the rich young ruler talked about a number of commandments the man said i've done all these things from my youth up jesus said one thing you lack go and sell all that you have and give to the poor you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me you remember what the rich young ruler did he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions, the Bible said. He was unwilling to stop depending on things and to put his trust fully and completely in Jesus Christ. Adversity is an opportunity to depend on God more. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, Paul was preaching to some philosophers, and one of the things he said was, in him, in God, we live and move and have our very being. Some people don't realize that until too late. Some people don't realize that when we leave this world, we're leaving everything behind. All we need in our lives is to put our trust and our hope and our faith in the God of heaven. And times of adversity like this one can remind us that depending on God is what he desires. It's important for us to lean on the everlasting arms. It's important for us to put our trust and our hope fully upon him. Because if we're not doing those things, can we really say that we're pleasing him? Notice this next. When it comes to times of adversity, times of difficulty, times of suffering, suffering can bless us by helping us to produce a sympathetic heart. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and look at verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. He is the Father of mercies. He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, I want you to watch a couple of things in that passage. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. When we struggle in adversity, it strengthens and helps us to depend on God more so that for the purpose that we can bless and comfort others who are going through the same kinds of things. So one of the reasons why we face struggles in our lives is to produce sympathy and to help us to see the grace of God in our lives so that we can show other people the grace of God in their own. Suffering can produce sympathetic hearts. But not only that, watch this in verse 3 and verse 4 as well. Especially at the end of verse 4, we can comfort others with what? 
the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's something that we need to think about there. When I have endured and gone through adversity and trial, and I've looked to God and I've leaned upon Him and I've watched for areas in my life where I can grow and mature and become more like Christ. When I have struggled and endured and suffered in those ways, I can see more clearly the grace and the mercy of God. And what people need more than ever before is not for us just to give each other a pep talk and say everything is going to be all right without any kind of basis, without any kind of foundation, I hope it's going to get better one day. That's not what people need from us as Christians. What people need from us as Christians is for us to point each other to the promises of God, to the statements of Scripture. God has promised this, all things work together for good to those who love Him. To those who are the called according to his purpose. God has promised, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The comfort with which we are comforted by God is the same kind of comfort we ought to give to others when we're struggling. So just because we've endured a trial doesn't mean that we've seen the grace of God. We as Christians in our adversity we can learn to be sympathetic and empathetic with what others are going through. You know, one of the things that's really touched my heart as I've considered what's happening around us, there are people who are in nursing homes, and, and I've heard from many of you, you can't go see your spouse, and you desperately would love to be able to do that, to hold their hand, to give them a hug. There are people who are in ICU units in hospitals all around our country and their families not allowed to see them when we stop and consider what's happening in the world around us we need to have a voice as christians of sympathy and of empathy and we need to point people to the comfort and the grace of god that's what second corinthians 1 verses 3 and 4 is saying it's saying that adversity in our lives produces sympathetic hearts in Luke 10, verses 33 and 34, when the Samaritans saw one who was beaten by the side of the road, you remember what he did? Jesus says in Luke 10, 33, the Samaritan had compassion on a perfect stranger. He had sympathy. He had empathy for him. And the Bible says he stopped and he bound up the man's wounds and he put the man on his own animal and he took him to the inn and he allowed the innkeeper to care for him and paid all of the bills. When we face adversity, there ought to be sympathy produced in us. Not only that, Romans 12 verse 15 commands us to rejoice with those who rejoice, but it also commands us to weep with those who weep. Sympathy, a sympathetic heart, is precious to God. In Acts 20 verse 35, the Apostle Paul was speaking about the poor when he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Those are the words of our Lord Jesus. The things that we're going to take with us when we leave this world are the things that we give away. We need as Christians to have sympathetic hearts because that's what Jesus did. A few moments ago in our scripture reading, we read from John chapter 19 as we observed the Lord's Supper. Even in his time of adversity, 
Jesus was thinking about his mother. He was thinking about the thief on the cross. He was thinking about the loss that he was dying to save. Our finest moments come when we set our mind and our focus on God and others. What kind of blessings can come from adversity? Adversity can enrich our prayer life. I talked a few moments ago about routines and those things being suspended. You know, we kind of mourn when we lose our routines. We go through a period where we're really sorrowful. We had planned on an event. We had planned on a schedule, and that schedule is not going to come to pass. And what does that mean for us? What does that mean for other people? And we struggle with that, and we have to grieve through that. I don't know if you've noticed, but one of the things we've done as a congregation is we've, we've tried to instill some new routines in some of our lives at 8 o'clock every night. Why don't you stop with your family and pray if you're not already doing it? That's what the church here in Katy is doing. We're stopping whatever we're doing at 8 p.m. And as a congregation, wherever we are, we're spending some time with our families in prayer. That's a routine, something to plan on, something that enriches our relationship with God and with each other. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. The Bible says in Psalm 51 verses 1 through 3 that after David realized his great sin, he admitted it to God, he cried out to God and he cried out for his mercy and he cried out for God to bless him in his time of adversity. The adversity was brought on by his own sinful choices. But it drove David to prayer. What have you been driven to as a result of the difficulties you're facing in your life? Have you been driven to distraction? Have you been driven to unkindness toward others? Suffering and adversity can enrich our prayer lives. Because again, it reminds us of the great God we serve and his ability to bless, to comfort, and to heal. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul was praying for the church. And one of the things he prayed for was their steadfastness, their patience in times of difficulty. One of the things I've been praying for the Katy Church is for our steadfastness and our patience. Because it's hard for our routines and our plans to be suspended and for us not to be able to do some of the things that we had planned on. And all of them were good things. They were things that would glorify and honor God, that would build up the church and that would help other people who are lost to to see the light to see jesus christ but we need patience and endurance are you praying those kinds of things for the church in ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 paul prayed for his brethren to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man are you praying for strength for your brethren for each other when we think about our adversity a lot of the time, we focus on ourselves, we focus on what we're going through, and we think about how we're feeling and how we're reacting to the things going on around us. We need to not overlook the blessings that come in times of adversity because God intends adversity for just that reason. You know, there are things that happen in all our lives that we would never wish for ourselves or for somebody else, but the things happen anyway. We're reminded of the words of the psalmist, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God blesses 
even in times of adversity. And sometimes adversity is the very vehicle that brings those blessings to our lives. What must I do to be saved? To find a relationship with the God of heaven. To find discipleship in Christ. What must I do? What's essential? The Bible could not be more clear about the answer to that question. Believe on Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus said, Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. If I don't put my faith and my trust in him, I can never be saved. The Bible says we're to repent of our sin, to change our mind about the way we've been living, and to live for Jesus, to follow his way. The Bible says we're to confess Christ as Lord. Confess Jesus Christ as the one who died to save us and who we want to be the Lord of our lives. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. And then we need to be baptized. When we're baptized, we're buried with Christ. We're raised with Christ. We come out of that water and the Spirit of God changes us from a dead soul into a living one. The Bible says that we're raised to walk in newness of life. It's in baptism that that happens. If you need to respond to the invitation or you have questions about the things that we've talked about, what, can, what does Scripture have to say to me in the times of my adversity, there are two email addresses on the screen. Email myself or email Jordan Moore or get in contact with us some other way. We'd be thrilled to visit with you. And if we can't find the answers, we can certainly point you to someone who can. We believe God's word answers every question of life. We believe that through submission and faith and obedience to his will, we believe that people can find salvation and we can find blessings no matter what's happening in our lives. Won't you think about these things together with me while we sing this song of encouragement?